Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cosmic Conversation. This podcast is dedicated to spiritual growth and cosmic exploration. I'm your host, Sheila Seppi, and you're watching us on the Conscious Awakening Network. Now, our guest for tonight is Mishle Elise. Mishle is a passionate educator, an author, a speaker who advocates for the arts and helps others to overcome anxiety and depression. She has survived a near-death experience and shares her story of resilience and healing in her books and in her talks. She is a free spirit and a very positive person who loves to connect with people, nature, and art. She spreads her message of hope, love and kindness on social media and invites you to join her community. Now, she also has authored two books. One is Taming the Beast of Anxiety, and it's kind of a self-help book. And the second one is The DNA Mafia, and it's a near-death experience, a memoir about being in a coma and discovering other dimensions. So you can purchase both of those on Amazon. So tonight, Michele is going to talk to us about her near-death experience, and I want to go ahead and bring her up. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thanks so much for being with us tonight. Thank you so much for having me, Sheila. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I'm excited, too. <laughs> the last time that I talked to you, I think you had just gotten out of school. Um, <laughs> yes, I'm a teacher. And you were like, oh, wait a minute. You had to run to the car. It's like, okay, I just finished with school, but now here we go. So yes. that was that was awesome. And what I'd love to do is to have you to start out tonight and let everybody know just a little bit about who you are as Michele and to tell them also about your near-death experience. So I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to you. And I can't wait to hear what you have to share. Awesome. So I'm going to start by saying that I arrive, I show up, I am here unequivocally myself. My sinuses are going through something interesting, and I'm starting to learn about ascension symptoms. As your spirit ascends, your body has to acclimate to being something different. So I might sound a little bit different than I did yesterday. You might see my eye watering, I might sniffle, I might sneeze, but guess what? This body is going through upgrades and we need to start getting used to that kind of thing. That's just how it goes. And so I show up joyfully for you and for everyone else that is here in this moment. As for myself, I'm quite an interesting soul. <laughs> I was raised by a mother who is what is called late deafened. So that means that her hearing gradually de declined throughout her lifetime. I remember her talking on the phone, but now she's completely deaf. But if you heard her speak, you would think she was a hearing person. There's no anomaly to her speech whatsoever. And so since my near-death experience, which I'll explain in a little while, I've become closer and closer to my spiritual awareness of things. And my spiritual story is being raised by my mother was very traumatic, I have to say. And, and, and I'm just starting to learn and find that abuse isn't only physical. It's not only sexual. You can have emotionally abuse, emotional abuse, religious abuse, spiritual abuse, all kinds of abuse. 
And I did have a very difficult upbringing, but I believe it's important that we learn how to unvictimize ourselves. And so you might consider it a story, but my belief is that I chose to incarnate to my mother in spite of every one of her flaws because she helped turn me into a darn good writer. Let me tell you how. So in order to communicate with her, she, I would need to write to her. I would need to write. And sometimes I'd write two, five, sometimes 10 page letters. And my mother was a teacher. She would return my letter to me, red penned, with all the corrections that needed to be made. And my little feelings would be hurt so bad. But my belief is that I chose to come to her in spite of her flaws so that I could learn this skill of writing, which actually helped me pull all of those memories out of a near-death experience to write an entire, look at the thickness of this book. That's a pretty thick book. I came out with all of this information after my near-death experience. Awesome. So you gonna tell us what's in the book? You want to know what's in the book? I want to know what's in the book. <laughs> well, it is 330 pages of memories. So let me start uh, as close to the beginning as I can. In the book, one of the things I say is that time is an illusion. And I, I actually experienced the concept of timelessness. And I'll get to that in just a moment, I promise. Um, but there's this general idea of what I call the near-death trifecta. People think you saw Jesus. Oh, that was a near-death experience. You saw the white light. Oh, wait, that was a near-death experience. <gasps> your whole life flashed before your eyes. That was a near-death experience. I did not experience any of those things, but I should think that pulling back enough information to write 330 pages <laughs> is worth something. So I would say that my near-death experience like that for so many others started when I was unaware. I was under a great deal of stress. There's a book called The Body Keeps the Score and it does. We, we just feel like we just need to adult. We need to go through life. We need to do these things. Just suck it up, just do it. And so I was just sucking it up and I was just doing it. I was in a marriage that was not working for me anymore. I was commuting. Um, at that time, I think it was about four hours round trip a day. I had two small children that I was raising and it was too much, but there's no exit point. I didn't have an exit point to say, okay, it's time to get off. So actually I had gone to the hospital the day before for what doctors sometimes call and what I say, just general malaise, which basically means they don't know what the heck is wrong with you, but something's wrong. This is, this does not, in this body, it doesn't feel right. And they sent me with some cough syrup and sent me home. I was pretty shocked and amazed, but they're the doctors, right? And so this is where I get the opportunity to say, it's important to advocate for self. Advocating for self is extremely important because if I had said, look, 
this congestion, I need an x-ray right now. And I've done that several times since. Whenever I go, if I feel I need one, I almost demand it. If they had x-rayed my lungs, they would have seen they were absolutely full to capacity. The fact that I'm talking to you is simply amazing. <clears throat> so they sent me home. And then about 12 o'clock in the morning the next day, uh, we're heading off to emergency room. And I literally collapsed onto the um, the receptionist desk saying, I can't, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And so they took me to the back. They were trying to put a nebulizer on me. I was actually feeling very claustrophobic. There was so little oxygen to my brain at the time that I was digging my nails into the hands of my then husband and the nurse because I thought they were trying to attack me. Um, and then I passed out. So what the diagnoses ended up being were, uh, and I think it's called leukocytis, which was an anomaly in my white blood count. I am not ashamed to say that women have periods and I was on my period at the time and I had very, very heavy periods. And so I had I lost a lot of blood in order to accommodate this problem. I had previously developed a problem called pica where it's a little embarrassing to say, but I was actually eating chalk. Um, and it had become a comfort for me, just the crunch of it. And I write about that in the book. In the book, I call it the crunch, crunch, crunchy, crunch. It was the sound of it. And honestly, it was probably a little bit of feeling that I was doing something wrong because I don't drink. I don't do drugs. But, you know, we all have our vices somewhere. I believe most of us have our vices somewhere. And that ended up being mine. So there was that. Um, and then I had an asthma attack and I had what was called community pneumonia, community-based pneumonia. I still can't conceive of that. I thought pneumonia was something that a person got unto themselves. But being a teacher, there's no telling how that played in. So you got to remember, all of this happened pre-COVID. Pre-COVID, they literally sent the CDC out to find out what in the world was going on with this person because they weren't used to this combination of symptoms. Um, so thus began my journey. Now you said um, earlier, or maybe it was I read this in your bio, that you went into a coma? I did. I did. So yeah. after digging my, 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 my nails in, uh, the next thing was I said, you are not going to do this to me again. And I'm still trying to figure out what the again was about. But those were my last words. I passed out. I literally passed out. I was medicated. I was intubated. And I was in a coma for 12 days. And thus began the saga, which became the DNA mafia. Um when I finally came back to the reality, which I call here now, which is where you and I are speaking, because I was in many different realities. But when I finally came back to here now, I thought I had been kidnapped and cloned, thus the DNA mafia 
there was a mafia that was knocking people upside the head and uh, sort of stealing them, kidnapping them, cloning them. In my memory of that time, I could see and I could feel, I, more than anything, I could feel clones of myself. Um, and then when, and when they felt, you know, it was time, they would return that person back to the population uh, with, you know, for them, the, you know, the caveat that if they ever wanted to again, they would knock you upside the head again. So when I came to, I was very combat combative and I needed to be restrained. Um, my arms were restrained and my body was restrained because apparently I was very, very strong. They were very concerned about me trying to get out of the bed, but I thought I had been kidnapped and cloned. Well, actually I had in that other dimension and they were trying to kidnap and clone my children. And so, yes, that was, that was definitely terrifying. Yes, absolutely. I can imagine. And so when you were in the other dimension, um, and remembering the cloning, do you remember anything else? Do you remember anything about that particular dimension? I do. Now, there were several dimensions. Now, when I grew up, even though I'm about a decade removed from this show, my favorite show was the old school Twilight Zone. And I write about that in my book as well. Um, now, in the Twilight Zone, it was a unique show because... Each episode was its own storyline, its own backstory, its own characters. It was its own world. So I had several of those experiences where they were episodes. The longest experience that I had was called Flashpoint. And in Flashpoint, there was a dastardly doctor um, who, in that dimension, had been trained by L. Ron Hubbard. I'm just saying what happened there. That's what happened there. He had been trained by L. Ron Hubbard to sort of put these people into a suspension, extract their DNA. And then here's the interesting thing. They were taking people's DNA so that they could create these luxury resort destination getaways. <laughs> I'm so imaginative, even across dimensions, <laughs> you know, uh, so, so the, the coral reefs, the ships, everything was made of human DNA. Um, and so they were constructing worlds basically with people's DNA. Now we have many conspiracy theorists. We have many, um, alien theorists, and we have some scientific fact of certain things that have happened. Um, so you can take or leave it. But when I first came out of all of this, excuse me, my understanding was this happened. And then, of course, you go to the psychologist and they're like, well, it's a delusion. It has taken me, you know, six, seven years removed to understand those things did happen to me. They did not happen to those around me. However, there are what I call interdimensional counterparts. So there's a song way back before Edie Brickell had a song saying maybe there's another 
me somewhere, you know, doing something, you know, there were many, many thoughts of that. So I interacted with interdimensional counterparts of some of the people that I do know. Um, and then there were other interdimensional counterparts of people I didn't know. So getting back to this doctor, he had been trained under L. Ron Hubbard and he's a black doctor. And so there was this understanding of how can you do this to our people? Like you're brilliant. Why are you kidnapping and cloning me? Why are you kidnapping and cloning anybody in the first place? But can't you use your, your brilliance for good? Like, why are you doing this? Um, and so there was this part that I remember, I remember so vividly. And at this point, I just want to pause and say, we need to understand that people who have come out of a comatose experience, a near-death experience, can be traumatized and it can be post-traumatic stress. That That is the thing. And I was definitely post-traumatically stressed out um, because one of my memories was this Dr. Downington was his name. He had caught my son. And my soul was doing what I call bilocating. So I'm in this bed and keep in mind, I have an interdimensional hospital bed too, not just the one I was really in, but an interdimensional hospital bed. And then part of my soul, another part of my soul is bilocating into this room where this doctor has grabbed my son up by the collar of his shirt, has him up against the wall. And I was so close, Sheila, I could see the veins popping on my son's head. Hmm. I could see, you know, we're brown people, but I could see my son's face turning red. I mean, the trauma of that. I could see my heart's, my son's heart beating so fast under his shirt. And I was terrified. I was simply terrified. Now, does your son have any recollection of these events? No, but this is an interesting topic. Um, and I'm going to take slight dis diversion here. When people say they have recurring dreams or when they say they have extremely vivid dreams, I believe that that is them tending to their other lives because we are multidimensional beings. Um, I'm awake here and I'm talking to you here, but I'm asleep elsewhere. And so, no, he doesn't have any recollection of anything that I said, but my son did used to have horrible night terrors. And because there really is no concept of time, from my belief, what he experienced as night terrors at two years old could have been that exact experience. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So did this particular dimension have a name or did it have a designation? I gave it a name called Flashpoint. So that particular designation is Flashpoint. And this brings us to an interesting topic of what I call interdimensional grids 
and interdimensional coordinates. Mm -hmm. I don't know if others speak of this, but it's what I've had to come up with because nobody that I've come across has addressed this. Now, when in my book, what I mention is when I come across an interdimensional coordinate, I my body will react to it. I will gasp, not intentionally, but I'll hear myself. And then there'll be a feeling in my body. Um, in my book, I'll, I'll be flipping through the pages while I talk. In my book, I put some pictures of interdimensional coordinates. A series of interdimensional coordinates makes up an interdimensional grid. Now, my belief is that my soul was trying desperately to get back to my body. And the biggest place that the biggest interdimensional grid that I kept going to was in the city that I work. And so when I ended up going back to work, um, there'd be certain areas where I'd be like, wait a minute, I've been there before, but I've never been there. I remember this place. Like, I know this place, but I've never been to this place before. Uh, so that's the understanding of the of the coordinates and the grids. Okay. Um, and what about parallel universes? I love the concept of parallel universes. Um, and some of the movies now, like... Uh, the Spider-Verse movies, they are actually dealing with the multiverse. Um, and when you talk about parallel universes, parallel would mean there are only two. I experienced at least 11, uh, if not more. Mm -hmm. um, and some of those universes I experienced, quote unquote, at the same time. Mm -hmm. There really is no time. Right. The only time is now. We experience different gradients, shades, and opportunities of now. But there is only one time, and that is now. Mm -hmm. 1798, whenever that was, that's still now. Right. I am total agreement with that. You know, always tell people if you hold up a pen and you incarnate, you can incarnate into what we consider now, but you yes. can also incarnate into various other locations, other dimensions, other parallel universes or parallel realities yes. at different density. And, but they all are happening all at one time. I love that you said density. That's an important word. And yeah. the density is your experience of it. And so that was what was difficult for me. The density of everything was intense. And when I came back, uh, that was the first thing I wanted to do. So on page 105, this is just one of the interdimensional grids. Yeah, oh, we, I see you, can't you can't see really that. do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. Yep. Yep, you can. There you go. Right there. Oh. Okay, you can just see it a little bit. That's one of the interdimensional grids um, that I ended up spotting at a hotel that I had gone to. When I went to the hotel, um, one of my experiences in Flashpoint was 
they were trying to kidnap people, clone them, also, you know, slough off their DNA. All of this was being done to create these uh, destination resorts. The people that would sell them would then get what was called a smart house. And so this is like maybe what, this happened in 2017. And now I'm starting to hear so many different things about smart homes and smart houses. But the picture you just saw was this smart home that they were trying to tempt my then husband with in order to continue getting more sales for these destination resorts that were made out of the unfortunate you know circumstances of all these people that had been kidnapped and cloned so when you say density i felt that is that's a word that kind of sort of strikes a chord with me mm -hmm. um and and the thing there was this movie a while ago called contact and um she was supposed to be going to another planet. They built this intricate device. She slipped through it in a matter of seconds, but she actually went to that other place. She did everything she was supposed to do and they didn't experience it. So it didn't happen. And so that's kind of what I've been living through and wanting now to advocate for others the idea and the concept that it did happen. Mm -hmm. It happened to you. It exists and it's real. Right. So when you were at the hospital, you had collapsed, you went comatose. How long in the now moment was that period? That period, I was in a I was in a coma for 12 days. And I want wow. to I want to clarify that in order to intubate the human body, it is extremely invasive and very painful. So they actually had to administer some of the strongest drugs known to mankind. I, my record says prednisone, which by itself is strong, but fentanyl in my book, you, you're reminded of Prince. Um, and then, uh, Propofol, in my book, you're reminded of Michael Jackson. This cocktail, you know, was what was administered to me. But I see some things now like uh, talking about fentanyl is bad. This is horrible. This is that. If there were one ingredient missing from my recipe, I would not be here talking to you. And so in my book, I make it clear that fentanyl has its place administered by a professional. Why it's out on the streets, that's a larger problem for others to deal with. But we can't just say fentanyl is horrible because without that one element, I don't know if I'd be talking to you right now. Mm -hmm. And so in this time, it was 12 days. Do you have any memory of how long that you were in this different reality? That is a wonderful question. And let's clarify once again, different realities. Mm -hmm. There was one that was the longest that I had a memory of. 
All I can tell you, Sheila, is just like now in this conversation, just the banter that we're having right now, we don't think about how long we've been on this planet. Um, we don't think about how long we've even been sitting in the chair we're sitting in. We don't think about the exact number of minutes that we were at work. Mm -hmm. However, it's, it's, it's an excellent question that you pose because it draws attention to the fact, it draws attention to the concept that there are so many, there are so many uh, different aspects of our reality that we never question. We just live. Okay. We just live. We don't know if I've been sitting here for a hundred years. We, we don't know until we draw attention to it. So all I can say is nothing was ever drawn attention to, except for the times where I was interdimensionally, uh, where I was in 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 an interdimensional hospital bed. Mm -hmm. Now I will tell you about a very interesting uh, happenstance, and that did seem like it took forever. Yeah, the um, only reason that I ask is I've talked with some people, and they they weren't necessarily in a coma, but they were they had the near death experience. They were unconscious maybe for an hour. And they said that on the other side, they lived what seemed like an entire lifetime. Yes. Yes. I've heard of, I've heard of those stories. And I think that is so interesting. I would say, I would feel like there, they were lifetimes because each one of them came with a backstory, but I, I, I never drew any attention to how long I had been in each one, except for one. And one where I did was, at the time I was really big into cooking shows. Now this is gonna get gross. I don't know what else to tell you. This is just what's in the book, okay? I was really into cooking shows at the time. And in this whole storyline of the dastardly doctor, um, I had been, sort of some secret service program had reached out to me to try to um, to catch Dr. Downington in the act. And so this black mold had been put in my stomach. And so I guess you would say the intersection of that would be they literally did have to give me shots in my stomach to keep my blood from clotting. So I thought they gave me a shot of black mold in my stomach. And I was supposed to go on one of these sh cooking shows and bust this doctor for what he was doing. And so I have this black mold and there are these two nurses on the other side of me and I hobble onto the stage and I'm looking so sick and I have to expose the fact that this wonderful recipe that this Dr. Downington is winning all these cooking shows with actually has human matter in it, shall I say? Not DNA, but waste. I'll just leave it at that. And I just remember the vision of like this chili being stirred up. I don't even know how I still eat chili, but this chili being stirred up and I'm like, that's my stuff in there. That's so, so gross. So I did what I was supposed to do. 
I, you know, sort of uh, bombarded their telecast of this um, cooking show. And these people were supposed to take this black mold out of my stomach and they never did. And I was in an interdimensional hospital bed. Now that one seemed like it took forever, but still, I guess, I guess the time passage would still only be maybe about two or three days, yeah. but not the 20 years. I am aware of what you're talking about, where people say uh, it may have been one minute or one hour here, but it was 20 years elsewhere. And although I'm not religious anymore, I do find it interesting that there is a scripture that says, um, you know, to God, a thousand years is like a day and a day is like a thousand years. So I, I just find that interesting. Right. You know, when you're speaking of, excuse me, <coughs> when you're speaking of the black mold in the stomach, I've also spoken with people who have described situations where they felt that they were in a different dimension, parallel universe, parallel reality, whatever they were experiencing, where when they came back, that their field had, they felt like there was something in the field and working with psychics, they found that there was a black ring that was all the way around the auric field. And they call that black goo because that's astral, um, waste if you will not um it's, it's very difficult for me to explain because i don't know exactly what it consists of would that be it, karmic would you consider that karmic waste um no actually uh this has more to do with picking up negative energies while you're traveling and they being attached to your auric field when you return from your night journeys if you would right and so i i don't know anyone who has ever been able to you know describe exactly what that is but many people talk about the black goo that they return with after being asked you know having an astral experience at nighttime that is very interesting i can say that since my near-death experience I can't say necessarily that I came back with gifts and skills, but I can say that my gifts and skills have been opened up more and, and that I have been more accepting of them. Um, I am a channeler. I channel crossed over spirits, including animals and celebrities. If we don't know, they were people too. Yeah. They're humans first. <laughs> um, so there's that. And then when I say ascension symptoms, like I was talking about earlier, um, the body kind of has to catch up to what's happening to some people, I guess, call it the crystalline body. I don't know a lot about that or the energetic body. The energetic body is, is, is sort of expanding and the human body takes a while to catch up. So, yes, you can end up with nasal issues. You might end up with a rash. Um, your eye might be twitching uncontrollably. There could be, you know, any number of things. But the one that I have to tell you that's getting really fun is my gift of telepathy. 
Oh my goodness. That is, that's a kick in the pants. So sometimes I'll be standing there and I'll be teaching something. And one of the students will be like, were you in my head? I was just thinking those exact words. And I'm like, whoa, I'm progressing. But that is how it happens. Sometimes it feels like everything is falling apart in your life. Some might know about the dark night of the soul. Um, it, it might seem like you can't get it quite together and you're always upset and you're always emotional. But then as you ascend, you start, you know, understanding. Now, here's an important one is spiritual hygiene. And my practice of that is extremely simple. I have some more complicated things that I personally do, but we all must learn to trust ourselves. But you can cleanse your your spirit and your auric field and simply by saying, I peacefully return your energy to you and I peacefully reclaim my energy unto me. And so it is simple as that. That's a way to start with that. But I'm starting to find that a lot of people who lived lives of codependency are also empaths. And that also leads to another point. A lot of people that are on the spectrum have spiritual gifts that aren't even ever talked about. Have you ever noticed anything like that? Uh, you're referring to the spiritual gifts? Spiritual gifts among uh, those on the spectrum. I'm just going to say the spectrum, not just autism. Um, among those who are severely depressed, among those who are anxious. Have you noticed that? Well, I noticed that people as a whole are beginning to open up a whole lot more. Uh, in the work that I do, um, I don't work with a lot of people that's on the, you know, what they would say the spectrum, but I do work with people who are experiencing depression, anxiety, and a lot of it has to do with the changes and the shifts in the energy that's on the planet right now. And right. they, as you were talking about, you know, as the physical structure of the body changes, as the DNA begins to change itself, and we begin to hold more light in our bodies as it comes in, we're beginning to raise our vibration. But it seems that a lot of people who are suffering from the depression are in their, they raise the vibration and they drop, the bottom drops out. They raise their vibration and the bottom drops out. And I've noticed that consistently uh, over about the last year with a lot of the clients that I work with who do exhibit signs of depression or anxiety. Right. I am starting to find that imagination is history. Um, you know, I'm coming in touch with many of my past lives. One, I was an Indian goddess of, of culture and language. Another, I was a Yoruba priestess. Um, I have a lot of connections to Japan, India, and Africa. Um, I've been to two of those continents. Um, uh, you know, I feel like a lot of times there are past life wounds and traumas that need to be healed 
in this life. And it needs to be put in context to understand so that so that the the weight of that can be released. There's another layer in which I loosely follow the teachings of Dolores Cannon. And I kind of feel like people who are under 30 are kind of born with these upgrades. And they're born with these upgrades to upset this status quo because this is not sustainable. We think it is, but this is not sustainable. And so they are doing what they're supposed to do, which is upset the system. And every time they upset the system, mom gets upset and they don't want to upset mom. Church gets upset and they don't want to upset church. Even their own children get upset and they don't want to upset people because it's that that sort of that dance between the the spiritual emotional, which is being an empath, and then the physical emotional, which is being codependent and not really having anybody say, like I uh, spoke to a young lady not long ago who has the gift of clairalience, which it, people know by clairvoyance, which means clear seeing, but she has clear smelling. Like, you know, smell a rat. She can smell a rat. She knows if something's not right. And her whole life, she's been taught that that's wrong. She's gotten in trouble for it. But, you know, I can't even say in working with me because these people that I speak to you about are younger than I am. Mm -hmm. And I always say the only equivalent I can think of is I'm sort of John the Baptist and they're Jesus. It's a Jesus journey. Nobody's going to like you. They're not going to like you. They, you weren't meant to fit in. You were meant to stand out. You know, so my job, I feel, is like to kind of clear the path and like, you're not going crazy. You're fine. Let me tell you about this gift and just see if it resonates. I'm not mm -hmm. preaching to you. I'm not mm -hmm. preaching. Just does this, where does this settle with you? And there was one young man just recently, his body went just like this. I was like, whoa, that you talk about resonate, resonate. So, you know, that is, that is a, that's a thing. I was going to say, I was going to get back to what, to timelessness. Cause in the beginning I said, I was going to talk about timelessness, but we did discuss that, that there is only one time and that is now. Right. Right. So what I'd like to do is go ahead and open up. Um, if people have questions or comments that um, they want to speak with you about. So let me go ahead. All right. So if anyone wants to ask a question of Michele, go ahead and raise your hand so I can see you and bring you up. I'm just looking at all the beautiful people here. This is so cool. Thank you so much to everybody for being here. <laughs> okay. No questions? No questions. Uh, are you? There we go. I want to talk. Okay, yeah. Susie. I just don't hey, have a raised hand. I, it doesn't work. I just, tell me how you say your first name again. I've asked twice. It, it's okay. It's a combination of Michelle and Renee, and Renee. So it's Michelle. Yeah, you you are so valuable to this movement. I'm telling you, 
Thank you. You meet my heart. I, I don't really have questions. I just want to say kudos and thank you and keep going, girl. I mean, thank seriously, you. we need, I mean, I've been doing this for 55 years. I was, I'm, I'm not old, but. No, you're not. You're not. No, I'm not. But uh, I, I don't have gray hair. I just turned 73, but you bring this youth and this, you know, we need to hear from you way more often, honey. You really you. are so brilliant. And um, yeah, when you said something about the death experience, when I had my first death experience, it was 55 years ago. I was 18. Now, now you know, I'm 83 as of two days. I mean, 73. Shit. Shit. <laughs> 80. Holy shit. Okay. I'm uh, sorry. Cross off the shit words. But um, I'm sorry. That was fun. Yeah, it's like um, knowing that youth and you, young people, when you talked about having your periods, I went, oh, God, I thank God I don't I haven't done that for 30 years. I mean, I know it's just so brilliant that you you youth people are coming forth and sharing your information. Thank I'm you so, so, so grateful. And thank you. Uh, you said something, but I'll probably come back. I'll forget what I was going to say. I don't have a raise my hand thing. Everybody here is so with you. I mean, this group, Sheila's group is so conscious. Yes. So even if you have a few minutes on Monday or Thursday, come and join us because it will, will. make you know that you are not alone. You are so brilliant. Thank okay, you so honey? much. Namaste. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Love, I would love, like love. to say one thing about what Susie just said. I I met a young lady, uh, I think she's 28, um, about somewhere around October. And with her, a group, remember I told you, 30 and younger, I believe they're born with upgrades. And they don't know what to do with them. They're afraid. All of this group of people that came with her, they are such old souls. And I talked to them about themselves. One of them, I, I'm like, no, I was your student before. And I think she's 26. I said, I was your student. You taught me. I'm simply here to remind you of who you are. I, that's all. I'm not here to change you. I'm not here to, to tell you you're doing it right or wrong. I am just here to present your own power to you. And it's been an amazing journey. It really has. I mean, some of the intuition and the downloads that have come to me for these young people, um, you know, one of them, there was some Portis energy that came. And I felt ridiculous saying this. How do you come up to somebody and say, um, excuse me, yeah, I felt a lot of tortoise energy from you. She said she used to own a turtle, not own, but she had a turtle. And every single time that I get a download and I'm like, oh, I really want to say it, but it sounds cray. Oh, this sounds real cray. They really, oh, they are really going to think I'm crazy. There's a nugget. There's something, even if it's something small, sometimes it's something huge. People have said things to me like, how could you have known that? And forgive my French, but sometimes I'm like, I can't make this shit up. I can't. I can't. I can't. 
I'm good. I'm real creative. I'm really creative, but I can't make this up. And that's when it becomes a magical ride. And I always tell these young people, I am honored to pave the way for them. I'm honored. So, yeah. Oh, thank you so much for that. Hi, Jason. Hi, how are you? Can you hear me? I'm great. How are you? Yes. Uh, no, I uh, thank you for coming. I, I like your, your messages so far and uh, a lot of similar experiences. You know, when I was a kid, I almost drowned in it, my aunt's swimming pool. My, I'm out <laughs> here in Canada. Uh, I was probably five years old uh, and uh, my uh, cousin, she dove in and got me. Would that classify as a near death? I guess. Uh, it oh, okay. Again, I think it, I think it, it, there are some parts of it that are very subjective. Um, and, and, and I really believe that part of what I want to do is, uh, like I said before, there's usually a trifecta. Did you see Jesus? No, then it wasn't a near death. Did you do? I don't believe in any of that, but what my understanding of a near death experience is, is that you at least passed out were comatose, maybe on some life-saving structure or medication, uh, that's what qualifies. Now, people have, uh, um, uh, I wouldn't call them near-death experiences, but they encounter, you know, the closeness of death. Um, but to be a near-death experience, I would think you would have to to me, it seems like you would lose consciousness. What do you think? Uh, it's possible because all I can say, my, most of my life I've been an experiencer, not just with ETs, but angelic and higher dimensionals. Uh, I had a friend from Montreal. I wish she would come in. It's nice to see my son is mixed race. I'll show oh. you a picture of him in a second. Uh, so oh. it's refreshing to see my, my, my friend in Montreal. She's Jamaican. She said a lot of black people don't like to come out with this because there's a lot of religious pressure. There so is. To see you, you know, it's a pleasure. And I'm sure you're familiar with Ralph Smart on YouTube and Billy Carson. Yes. You know them? Both. both. I know both. So, I, know both. I mean, just to show Billy you. Billy Carson at, is really something. Okay, what is that? I photographed this in my neighborhood in no November. Look what that looks like. That looks like a, you see, looks like the tail end and there's a cockpit here. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. Look at yeah, that. I see that. I see that. And uh, just that reminds me other... of the movie Nope. Did you see Nope? I heard about it. Yeah, I haven't yeah. seen it yet. Uh -huh. Um, and then there was one other one. Uh, it's interesting that... you say Billy Carson because I only recently started listening to him maybe two months ago, and most of the time I'm just like, wow, I never well, thought of it that way. <laughs> You should contact Jimmy Church because that's who, how I found out about Billy Carson. They're good friends, apparently. He has that contact fade to uh, Jimmy Church. He has that fade to black podcast. It runs four nights a week, okay. and he's at all the conferences. But the, here's another picture. This is from 2019. Uh, wow. Look at this here. So this is the sun reflecting off of whatever this is. I like believe can... that's a fire rainbow. Have you ever seen a fire rainbow? No, but this okay, right here. A fire is... rainbow is the beginning of a rainbow in the sky, but there's, I think there's not enough material, but it's very interesting. I can be standing in a place and I'll be like, look, there's a fire rainbow and nobody sees it but me. 
I, I always thought their sun reflecting off as some sort of metallic surface. So here's a close up, like, look oh. at this right here. You see that outline there? Those are very distinct, like 90 degree angles. Right. Right. So I have hundreds of these photos and I've been experiencing things since I was a kid and they've been only intensifying over the last 10 years. And my, my ex-wife, she uh, used to be an empath. She would channel Archangel Michael, my dead mother. And ever since she had a, a miscarriage in 2015, she's completely changed. You know, she bought the whole COVID agenda. She's taken right. six doses, unfortunately. And uh, we kind of go head to toe with, with things. And my son, he's more like me. Like he's already drawing uh, ET ships that he says just uh, come to him, you know, in his mind. Okay. You said several things. Uh, for one thing, you might have a gift with clouds. You might have I, a gift with clouds, right? I right. see things hidden in the clouds. Right. You need to study that. I am what is called geosentient. So sometimes certain things that happen in the earth, I can feel the, oh my goodness. That's Harrison. Oh my goodness. He reminds me of the spirit of Archangel Michael. Archangel Michael is always with me. Archangel Michael protects me when I'm channeling. You know, you talk about breaking away from the religiosity. That was extremely hard for me, my friend. Okay, wait a minute. That Is looks Celtic. Celtic. Right. right. And the pentagram. I have other pendants. The onks. Uh, uh, the eye well, of How birds. do you feel about runes? Do you know much about runes? No. Runes have been coming to me recently, so I need to find out. That might be a whole nother... Um, historical thing of mine. Right. And, so, and are I've you been, are you Irish? I, I, from I understand, I'm part Irish. I did a DNA test, which I heard is a scam, but that's another whole story. Right. I, apparently, I'm part British Isles, uh, Eastern European, European. So that's a lot of Viking uh, blood. And my son, his mother, she was born in London, Ontario, Canada, but her family was born in Antigua. Wow. So he has please, a huge please keep in touch with me, Jason. I'd love sure. to I would love to learn more. So yeah, you might have a gift with with the clouds, but breaking from the religiosity was very hard for me. I used to be extremely religious and very judgmental. Um looking me then would be very judgmental of me now. And I think that was the only thank you so much. I got that. Look, I'm gonna I got, I got it. I took a picture and of that. I can um, contact you on your website or, and you can contact do. me there. I need to work on my website. I think I'm just going to do a Wix or something. I got, I have it. I just don't have it up, but get me on Facebook and I have Facebook. a free Facebook group too. But anyway, um, yeah, there's so many layers to all of that, especially, um, you know, Archangel Michael, when I channel, I was very religious and my aunt for a long time was like, well, how do you know you're not going to bring some horrible spirits? And then I realized like, you I, I have constant ringing in my left I, so ear. Do I. My right ear, it's my right yeah. ear, but sometimes I get in my both and I get yeah. goosebumps And when everywhere. I get it here, it kind of opens up. That is an ascension system. That symptom. This one is Archangel Michael with me 24-7. I never have to doubt the work that I do because I step with spirit 
and I step with Archangel Michael. This is not from me. I'm not a trick pony. I can't perform on demand. But you said something else interesting. I always say I'm good with grandmas. I always say I'm good with grandmas because I can channel somebody's grandmama in a minute. <laughs> so what it is for grandmas. But I'll be like, your grandma is over here. And so I am clairsentient. I don't see. So I'm not um I'm not clairvoyant. I'm not clair alien. I don't hear them. I just know what I know what I know. And grandmas just seem to love me. So that's in relation to what you were saying about your ex-wife. And we all have a journey. You know what I'm I saying? I will never discount religion because one of the things my great grandmother taught me since she crossed over is it was an amazing system to help raise her kids. She needed that structure for her children. Um, all I can say is, unless I start my own church, I'll probably never be at another one. Like in my area, you know what church we have? Harriet Tubman's church. I'm in, I'm near St. Catharines, Ontario. So that church is in my city. I never heard of that. I've channeled her before. She's, I want to say she's sweet, but she is powerful. Well, in that movie she was in, it actually showed she was hiding out in St. Catharines, Ontario. That's where I am. It does. You're right. Wow. I have to email you because yes. Canada is on my bucket list. I, I don't know. Maybe that's why people ask me, why do, why do you want to go to Canada? And I'm like, I don't know, but I really want to go to Canada. Maybe not. We have just a yeah, we have just a couple minutes left. Oh. So Jason, thank you so much. No I appreciate you sharing your you contact so information. And so I'll let you guys take care of that afterwards. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. And in the time we have left, does anyone else have a final um question or a comment? Uh, specifically about the talk that uh, was given tonight. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, I think you've got it all covered for everyone tonight. Michele, I want to thank you so much for being here. If you would like to go ahead and mention the names of your books again and where people can find it, and if you you mentioned your website, if you want to go ahead and speak that, uh, because these will also be played on Spotify and Amazon. So the people that are listening um, may also want to write this down. Okay. Everything is Michele Elise. I know I can get it. I just got to stay back. Taming the Beast of Anxiety can be found on Amazon. And this is a self-help book. The interesting thing is I was dealing with so much post-traumatic stress from trying to write the DNA mafia that I published that book first. You can also find the DNA mafia on Amazon. You won't find another title like that. Trust me. Everything is Michele Elise spelled M-I-C-H-E-L-E-E-E-L-Y-S-E. That's my handle on Instagram. Uh, you could probably have the most luck reaching me on, on Facebook, but there's also Um, And I do have a business phone number. Am I allowed to say that one? If you would like. I would love 
that. You you know, text is best, I always say. So the business phone number is 951-305-0096. And you know what? I would just love to hear from you. Also, Mishlay, period, Elise at gmail.com. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you so much for being here. Now, Susie has a song to kind of send us out for the evening. So, Susie, just take it away. I got about yeah. eight songs. I got about eight songs. This was so beautiful, but I got to pick one, and this is what I picked. Pale and old as time. True as it can be. so much, Susie. I appreciate it. I'm glad you're feeling better. Thank you for being here with us. Michelle, thank you. Thank you so much for being here, everyone. Thank you. And until we are back together again, namaste. Much namaste. love, everyone. And have a beautiful, beautiful evening. Thank mm -hmm. you so much for being here. Good night, everyone. Mm -hmm.